Welcome to the Snooze Button Express. I'm Neil Headley. The full-length version of the interview you're about to hear is waiting for you in the regular Snooze Button podcast. Details at thesnoozebutton.com slash podcast. Our guest is Dr. Connor Heenahan. He is the lead sleep researcher at Fitbit. We're going to talk about trackers. We're going to talk about best practices for trackers. And we're going to talk about a brand new feature on the Fitbit that you might have seen called the Sleep Score. All of that coming up here with Dr. Connor Heenahan on the Snooze Button Express. First of all, thank you for making time for this today. I appreciate the help. Yeah, it's great to meet you. And uh, thanks for interest in, in our work and interest in the area of sleep in general. It's uh, wonderful to have people who are enthusiastic. Every guest on the Snooze Button gets the same first question, whether they're a world-class neuroscientist or the lead guitarist for a rock band. Uh, how did you sleep last night? I yeah, slept reasonably well. I had uh, six hours and 19 minutes of sleep, according to my wonderful Fitbit device. Uh, I got a sleep score of 74, uh, which is about average for the Fitbit population. So it was, it was pretty good. Um, I'd like to sleep a little bit more, but I have a long commute in the morning. So I have to kind of stick to a, a tight regime, go to bed at 10 o'clock and get up just after six in the morning. Tell me about the sleep score, because that's a relatively new feature in Fitbits. What even is that? Yeah, the sleep score was basically to respond to customers who were saying, we love all the detail you give us. So as you know, in a Fitbit device, you can measure your duration of sleep, how often you woke up, how much light sleep, how much REM sleep. So there's a lot of data and you know it's fascinating. It's great to look at the graphs. But people said, hey, can you give me a single number that at least summarize it all so I know, roughly speaking, what, what was my overall quality of sleep for that night? Uh, so that's what the concept of sleep score is. And it's a number between 0 and 100. And the way it's, it's built up is we look at three major aspects of your sleep. So firstly, you know, still the most important thing is how much did you actually sleep? So the, the total uh, sleep time is, is 50% of your score also combined with how often you woke up during that sleep. So our experience is that having a long sleep with minimum wake is, is a good thing, and that's generally accepted in the sleep community. The, the second part of the sleep score, which is 25% of the score, is the relative distribution of your deep and your REM and your light sleep. So as you probably picked up from your own reading experience, uh, deep sleep is very important because it's where you have physical restoration, uh, you get human growth hormone secreted, uh, more during that period than any other. Uh, REM sleep, which is also known as dreaming sleep, is also critical primarily for, for mental function. So sleep scientists in general recommend getting as much deep sleep as you can is a good thing. Uh, typically, you're going to get between 10 and 20% of your sleep will be that particular form of sleep. And uh, REM sleep is also important. And in that case, there's kind of a sweet spot, which might be between, say, 15 and 25% of your nights. So what we do with our sleep score is we look to see where you fit in those, in those ranges relative to your age and gender. And if you're in the kind of the optimal zones, we, we award the, the maximum marks. Then the final part of your sleep score is we call it the restoration. And what we did there is over the last few years, we've experimented with various physiological metrics to see how they correlate with your sleep quality. So what we discovered is that basically... Uh, in, in the ideal world, your heart rate will slow down uh, at nighttime to near its, its uh, sort of base rate. Uh, however, if you're stressed or if you've had too much caffeine or had you know, too much alcohol, your heart rate will often be elevated during, that, during the night. And that leads to poor sleep quality in our experience. 
So part of the restoration score is what does your heart rate do during the night? And then the second part of your restoration score is the amount of movement during the night. So, um, you know, if you move a lot during the night, it's typically giving you what are called uh, autonomic arousals, uh, which are basically you're not quite getting into the deeper states of sleep. So we're looking for the large movements during sleep, combining that with your, your heart rate during sleep and coming up with a restoration score. And taking all those together, you get the sleep score, which I say is a number between zero and 100. And the typical Fitbit user is hovering around about 75. And that's kind of the way we, we pitched it. Uh, we don't want it to be an exam. We're not expecting people to get 100 every night. Uh, what we really want to do is to tell people, find your own pattern. Uh, if your person's average is 70, that's fine. Uh, but then you can experiment yourself. So you can, you, know, you can experiment to see, do I do better if I go to bed at the same time? Do I do better if I exercise in the evening? Do I do better if I exercise in the morning? Um, so we want to give that tool to people to, to kind of play around with their own sleep quality. Is there any difference for people that you're aware of? Because, uh, you know, there are so many settings in a Fitbit. Uh, you know, I look at settings like dominant wrist, non-dominant wrist, and then you start to read anecdotally about people who are using their Fitbit in different ways. I've seen stuff on, I think it was Reddit or something like that, like a Reddit group for Fitbit users, where there were people who figured that the best way to see their periodic limb movements or their restless leg or anything like that, there are people, and I'm sure you know about them, that wear their Fitbits on their ankle instead of on their wrist. Do you have any any sort of input on best practices for wearing your Fitbit? Uh, I mean, the, the general guidelines we have, are obviously using your wrist, um, there's very, the dominant versus non-dominant, there's a very, very small effect, um, which has been, which is kind of established before Fitbit ever started in this area when people were using just motion to look at sleep, uh, which is why we recommend to, to wear it on your non-dominant wrist, but it's a really marginal effect. If you wear it on your ankle, you will get a totally different view of your sleep. Um, I actually personally haven't tried the ankle wearing. I, I, I'm, I imagine that the heart rate signal we get at the ankle is not going to be so great. It's not a, it's not an easy place to, to measure, uh, but you will definitely pick up a lot more of the movements that a person with, with periodic limb movements would have. So it'd be quite interesting to, to, to dig into that a bit more. It's not something I've personally done. And one of the conversations that I had with Michael Grandner, uh, sort of one of the central points that he kept coming back to was, listen, if you need underscore the word need more granular data than you're getting back from your Fitbit, you need to go to the doctor. Yeah. I mean, that really, I mean, for me, sort of on a personal level, you know, why do I work at Fitbit? Why do I enjoy it? I mean, best case scenario for me with our products is people who have real sleep problems. The Fitbit kind of gives them that warning signal that kind of hints that something's not quite right. Uh, so let's say, you know, sleep apnea be the most, the most common in, in some ways of sleep disorders. You know, we want to basically be able to give people a heads up that there's something potentially uh, not quite right, but then we very much want them to talk to a medical professional. You know, the great thing about Fitbit is you can wear it night after night, and you can get those signals of what's going on long term. Um, and also, you can you can track changes. So, for example, people with sleep apnea, but very mild cases, they might be recommended to lose weight. And you know, where we'd like to get to in the future is to be able to give those type of people feedback on how their sleep quality is changing and hopefully improving as they uh, as they lose weight i'm really uh, sensitive to your time um and i'm incredibly grateful for uh you being able to have some time to spend not only going through my stuff but kind of helping people get a better understanding of the role that fitbit can play in 
helping them figure out whether or not, you know, this is something they need to investigate more. So really appreciate the time. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much for your interest. Appreciate it. And great fun to talk to you. There you go, Dr. Connor Heenahan, the lead sleep researcher at Fitbit. The full version of that conversation is waiting for you at the regular Snooze Button podcast. Easiest way to find it is at thesnoozebutton.com. Either version, if you want to get the latest every Monday when there's a new episode out, you can subscribe, send a note to a friend, let them know what we're up to in case you know somebody who would benefit from this information that's out there. Follow us on the socials, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Get your snooze on. A brand new episode coming up next Monday here on the Snooze Button and the Snooze Button Express. Again, the easiest way to find us every single week, thesnoozebutton.com slash podcast. Till next Monday, my name is Neil Headley. Thanks for being here. And hey, get some sleep, would you? Come on. Come on.